Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, yes, we're back. If you're expecting this podcast to feature insight and knowledge about ADLG armies, I'm afraid you've got the wrong one. This is the return of the lockdown podcast in what I think, given we're in lockdown three and we've been doing about 30 of these, probably does now need to be called the 2021 Series 2 of the lockdown podcast. We've got the full set of um, participants here again. We're chatting about painting, we're chatting about gaming, we're chatting about Yorkshire puddings, astonishingly enough, and we're also admitting what we bought over Christmas that's going to be in the painting queue over the next few weeks. So sit back, plug your ears, and get ready for the podcast. This means war. This means war. Well... We're back. Um, I think December the 11th was the last time that we um, we hit, is it airwaves with a podcast or internet or something? I presume it's the actually pipes. internet, isn't it? The pipes, the internet pipes was the last time we hit the internet pipes with with a full team of seven on the lockdown podcast. And, and since then, I think we've been through, was it going to be, was it not? Was it going to be lockdown Christmas? Was it going to be, we'll go out and disco and, and hug together and then no, stay at home, um, don't meet anyone else and then we're into the new year and what was going to happen then and people start getting injected and and then we're locked down again and basically it just kind of feels like we're locked down until sometime in March is the long and the short of it which with that much lockdown in front of us sounds like as good a reason as anything to bring back the full set of seven um I've got them all here up on screen um everybody here and and I think to to restart lockdown waffle this is the podcast that has been described on Twitter as um a war game equivalent of the archers meets Monty Python um I think which I, I think is a compliment quite possibly but um but I think the most important thing than that is is actually the toy soldiers malarkey and we've all been with the six weeks or so since we last spoke that's been a lot of time without these podcasts to just get tempted by stuff just you know drift over and click online and buy a, a couple of bits and um i think we've all sort of accidentally admitted that we've done enough shopping that our starting point um and our normal start of the week feature of what have you been painting i think probably does need to be expanded into a two-parter really of what have you been buying and why and what have you actually had on the painting table? And I think it looks like pretty much everybody is is going to be able to contribute quite a lot to this. So, um, yeah, uh, let's, let's see. Shall we start with um, Adam? You look like you've got a very sophisticated drink there. And um, um, or was it was that red wine that you're on, or are you just? On it was as uh, because because lockdown's a bit weird. Um, so normal world doesn't matter. Um, I had a roast dinner today. Fabulous. Um, Lego, Lego Lab. It was very nice. Um, my children didn't eat it because they're vegetarian and my wife didn't eat it because she said she doesn't like lamb. So I ate quite a lot of lamb along with my potatoes. And I treated, treated myself to a, to a cheap, um, yet rather cheeky, bottle of uh, French red wine. So um, it's all quite nice. Brilliant. Good. Excellent. So, you're, I so said, as you speak to us now... French red wine before prices go up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, I just shut that yeah, out. Just, just shut yeah. that one out. Yeah. Well, you mean yeah. while well, we can actually get it here? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the more yeah, we'll important question, Adam, with the lamb, was it gravy or mint sauce? Oh, both. 
Okay, just checking. Because York, Yorkshire puddings. Did you go the full Yorkshire? Yeah, hot? yeah, I had Yorkshire's um, homemade Yorkshire puddings. Ah, homemade so that's steak. why you needed the gravy and the mint sauce because you well, can't make puddings without the gravy from the freezer. Yeah. Mm. As a, well, as you know, a Sorry, a quick question. As a colonial and independent, what's the point of a Yorkshire pudding? I don't get it. Is it just... No, no, no Simon, Simon, I've got to jump in there. As, a, as someone with Yorkshire heritage, I think the actual question is, what's the point of the rest of the meal? That's yeah, the, the way it works. The, the, the Every, whole point of the Yorkshire pudding, growing up eating them, is you'd have it as a starter. This is the, you know, you'd have the Yorkshire pudding. The idea was to fill you up so you didn't need as much meat. Because uh, Sorry, nobody could can afford we just anything. Re- can we just rewind? Tim, did I hear you say the words as some someone with Yorkshire her- heritage? Absolutely, yes. Abs- yeah, e by gum. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I my, hear you speak, mate. My granddad was a miner. That was it. And, and that's where my lifetime that's where my lifetime love of Billy Bragg comes from, of course. But um, no, Yorkshire puddings are the main part of the dish. Everything else is accompanying. That's it. Um that's just the way it works, Yorkshire. Simon. It's just called Yorkshire without the pudding. It's just Yorkshires. You just have Yorkshires. Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple of Yorkshires, yeah. yeah. Did you ever acquire that kind of protected status in the EU for regional food? Uh, no, because nobody outside. Yorkshire doesn't care about anybody else. It's just okay. Yorkshire. So, now, Simon. No, it's the Yorkshire Republic. So it doesn't so have a problem tip, Simon, being specific to Yorkshire, then? Simon, if you do ever go to Yorkshire, what you've got to do is you've got to go to a pub have a Sunday roast, um, have Yorkshire puddings, Yorkshires, as, as I believe they're called um, up north. And um, you've got to say very loudly, of course, Yorkshire puddings were invented in France. That, that's that's a very important <laughs> yeah. uh, cultural um, experience. I've, I've learned some of these things living over here. Don't say that. No, no, no. And, now, and the, the other, other, and the other cut, actually, the, the other oddity on that one is... Um, was you know full kudos to you, Adam, for for going full Sunday lunch on a Monday when when we record this. That's brilliant. It does remind me that years ago when um, when I had a job, um, one of the people we we're working with, they'd come over from from Russia actually, and they'd stayed over for the weekend and uh, or, or for a few days, and they got the Russian guidebook to the tourist attractions of London, and it had a double page spread in the middle of it with classic British food, which was you know, cucumber sandwiches, fish and chips, all that sort of stuff. And they said to me, where can we get this, you know, roast beef and Yorkshire puddings? And I said to them, oh, you'll only get that on Sundays. <laughs> and and they looked at me like I was completely mad because it was like the famous British food. And I thought to myself, you're absolutely right. That's completely mad. Mm. Anywhere will serve this on a Sunday, but it, you can't buy it any other day of the week. You know, so yeah, odd, odd, odd world. But um, and, but and no, one it, last question on that: yeah. there was mention of uh, Yorkshire puddings as a starter or a main. So the question is, do you call is a single Yorkshire pudding a substantial meal, or is it two Yorkshire puddings? We we can have a separate podcast, and Dave can do a cook along of Toad in the Hole. Yeah, um, well, the, the original ones were quite large, and you used to have it with basically the, the drip gravy to start off with. Um, so, so why is it called a pudding then? Hmm? Why is it called it's a pudding, pudding then? The batter. Um, it's the batter. Because you have puddings same. for pudding, I'm sure of it. It's you can have them for puddings with lemon curd as well. but um, Yeah, because uh, back when they were invented, you have peas pudding as well. Yep. It's all cold. And yeah, and mince pie, which actually had, well, not the sweet stuff that we've got now. 
And yeah, what's this podcast all about? By I the way, I can't remember. I think I think we're um. You know, he says having just, a glass of wine. This is probably the stuff everybody <laughs> wants to know. But but look, since the eleventh of December, um, and you know, bearing in mind there might be other people in earshot, um, what what have you been buying, and and have you managed to get any of it painted? Because I think last time we spoke, you were we're going to be chopping the hands off Dacians or something like that and painting them all brown, um, and and we're wading through it. But anything else come through the post? Any Christmas gifts? Well, buying's kind of weird because um, it's oh, Gripping Beast had a bit of a sale and I've got a vague idea that I'm going to do a late Roman army. So while they had a sale on, I got a box of their heavy and night cavalry and a box of their foot. Um, and for some reason, I st- I'm still not sure why there's, um, there's a box of Perry late 15th century knights and lighter cavalry in my cupboard. And I, I just don't know where they came from. Um, yeah. But they're kind of there, which is Nottingham, because cool, I was going to do a French Ordnance Army as well, so that that worked out. That's perfect. You're halfway um, there. You might as well finish it off. Well, absolutely. Yeah, um, and I'm sure more things will appear um, as we go along. So yeah, I haven't bought anything. Just stuffs appeared in my cupboard. Just so um, you you bought the um the the late Roman gripping beast box and the what the cavalry box or the cataphract box or I know the heavy cavalry and the light cavalry. Oh, three boxes, um, right. Yeah, three boxes. Um, because and then you found um, two more. Yeah, the um, which were the um, medieval ones. Because the cataphract box I looked at, um, and it's odd because I'm probably never going to want more than two elements of the cataphracts, um, and I'm only going to put three on the base because four just doesn't, doesn't fit, fit doesn't fit anymore. It's like figures have changed size. So it's really not worth buying a box of twelve if you want six, and you might. I mean, I might you know, yeah, I know, but it's I wouldn't use late Roman cataphracts for an Armenian ally. Um, because they look Romany. Um, okay, yeah. Those yeah. late Roman cat and it's a good thing, but they look like they're they don't look like they're weird Middle Eastern types. They look like well, Roman. Well, actually, if you were if you did ever want to do that, um in my you know ridiculous Arab plastic kit bash malarkey, I do have now a tin with loads of plastic heads. So there's probably quite a few Asiatic Araby heads that I've got that you could stick on those cataphracts to make them into, if you did want that other two bases of Armenians. And um, what's, if it's gripping beast sales still on? Because they are super cheap, but yeah, possibly. But the other thing that I didn't buy, but um, I got, it's a complaint. It's not, it's not a complaint against this particular company because you get it all the time in War Games World is, um, just before Christmas, I had an email from, from Victrix because I bought some of this up saying, uh, we've got new stuff coming out, which is always good. New, new toy sold stuff from any company is always good. And they listed what it was and there was some this and that. Um, and they're doing, um, they're, they've got coming out very soon. It might have already come out for all I know. Um, some um, early Achaemenid, Sparabara, Shooty yep. sort of people, which which is good because if I ever do... Um, the Achaemenids, uh, that'll be handy. And I thought exactly the same thing about three months ago when War Games Factory had their new product. Of <laughs> well, yeah, War Games Atlantic, isn't it? War Games Atlantic. Which yeah. is just like, and I can understand that you want to do what's popular in sales. And I, I can understand that you can't just abandon that to your competitors. But at some point, there's got a bit, it's like, it's just yeah. a bit of a choice. Because if, if they did say, um, Parthian, they would have to do one box of light cavalry, one box of cataphracts. There you go. That's it's like I'll buy three, probably done. buy three of the light cav, two of the cataphracts. Done deal. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's like this, and not to all get. It's like you can always get the popular. Lots of companies do that. Here's the sort of here's the early Imperial Romans. Is without sort of like doing the, and it's not like Parthian for or Sassanid or any other obscure. The Parthians are a classic army. Um, so yeah, this whole sort of like always doing the same as a competitive. I, I can see, and I'm not going to tell people how to run their business. But as a consumer, I prefer choice and choice of different periods rather than choice of different figures. That, that, that is choice within the world of plastic, though, isn't it? If you if you go into metals, you've got loads of people doing every single period. But if you're only just looking at plastic, you're sort of treating plastic differently to metals in that thought process. Yeah, no. Well, I am. What what I'm looking at, and because what how I'm treating them differently is I think, oh, I really want a Sassanami because it's classic and it looks really cool. And then I price up how much it is in metals and think, well, that's like, that's for 25, 25 mil metal armies, a kind of, and it's not saying that I wouldn't, but when I compare that to pricing up a French ordnance army from the Perrys, um, it's still a, fair whack of money but it's nowhere near as much so yeah i am treating it differently because um plastic figures tend to be at least as good as metals actually yeah um and just cheaper so yeah yeah i think the reason why you have the problem there is like the companies like vitrix war games atlantic they said right what do we want to add to our range and listen to gamers about what yeah. they want what they yeah. And both have gone, uh, in this case, both have gone, oh, early Achaemenid Persians. Yeah. And, and that would have been about a year ago. They wouldn't have been aware that each, each other were doing that. Yeah, no, and it makes absolute sense. I do market research and that's what's going to sell. But it's just, yeah. just sort of like, oh, new, a new sort of like ancient 25 mil. Oh, yeah. the, the new, same as the, oh, God, if, uh, so yeah, no, it's, and I say it's, it's not really a complaint. People run their business how they want, and I hope all those companies are successful. But it's just oh god, seeing those two come out at the same time is a little bit odd, isn't it? it is, um, it's bit, but yeah, if you're doing market research on the same very small pool of people, they're going to both give you the same answer, isn't it? Maybe um, maybe we need more war games companies run by people who go, I don't really care what people want. I'm going to make what I want. Um, <laughs> that can go the other way as well, because then you end up with the Perrys doing things like War of Triple Alliance, 1879 Peruvian skirmishes, which is, which is good, but mm. it's like, how this, and it's brilliant, but how many people are going to do that as well? Well, like, that was actually one of the things I was going to suggest later, that we um, we all take up a, like, a group thing for when lockdown's finished, so that we could all field Wars of the Peruvian, um, Peruvian, Brazilian, Venezuelan Triple Alliance War. Um, which um, with what rules? Mil. That, well, I, I, I think I'm developing a set of my no. Uh, um, for, <laughs> for, no. Apparently, it was um, it was one of it was the other war in which riverine um, monitors were um, sort of developed in parallel with the American Civil War, because a lot of the battles were in tributaries up the Amazon, so mm -hmm. they had these sort of steam powered comedy flat metal ships um around about the time as the american civil war and it was isn't this the war that was like one of the bloodiest ever wiped out like a third of the population or something yeah i think it did it's like it's amazing that uruguay even managed to field a football team after it really they um, oh, they yeah. suffered tremendous not get eaten. yeah yeah um, yeah it was like a that. crazy one 
and they yeah. absolutely wiped out, you know, a good chunk of the population. Yeah. That's so like Adam, Thirty Years' War, really. Yeah. So Adam, going back, did you paint anything over the last month, or has it just been chipping away at the Dacians, or just chipping away? Dacians, not not a huge amount because um, Christmas, so I took the foot off gas, and also um, I know we talk about drinking loads, and I've got a glass for wine now, but. To be perfectly honest, I don't drink that much these days. I don't have much call for it um, in my life. So um, I, I can paint. But over Christmas, I've been having like the odd um, sneaky um, gin and tonic or something. And it's like after having a few drinks, painting's not going to happen. So um, I've painted some. I've done, I finished one batch of the Dacians. I've half done another. I prepped up the third and I'm just prepping up the fourth now. So it's kind of been going forward without any sort of great push or excitement, but yeah, all good. Okay, well let's let's move along then. Um, Andy, what's what's your series of shopping things, and what's your series of painting things since since the eleventh of December? Well, I basically decided to uh, buy and paint a, an army of lanchnecks. Um, this arose out of a, a, an ADLG R game, which Simon and I did with 16th century armies. And um, I used an Italian Renaissance army. Um, and I thought, well, that was a bit of fun, quite enjoyed the game. So I thought, well, who does figures for them? And um, I bought uh, some Blue Moon from Old Glory um, essentially a whole army of them for about 120 quid and um, so since then so 190 infantry uh, arrived and um, I've actually painted them all which considering you've got to paint them all different wow. colors wow. I, I was quite impressed I mean to be fair over Christmas time what we normally do is we normally go to a, a residential conference where there's lots of um, lectures and things and this year it was held on zoo so it meant that I could sit and listen to people waffling on about whatever it was, look at the screen occasionally, and get through shed loads of painting. And it was um, very nice. Fantastic. So were they like watching your face as we're watching your face now and, and thinking no, 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 you were paying no, they, attention? They no, no, no. Um, I, was, I was the one notionally paying attention. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so I've painted a lot. I've, I'm now, I've done all the infantry. I'm now painting the knights. I'm just trying to kind of make them as blingy as I can, really. Um and then I've got a couple of light artillery, few generals, and that's it. That's the army done. Yeah. So what, what do you make of the Blue Moon figures? Because I've got some of their... I think they're quite nice, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, th what I like is, is there's enough variety in them. Um, I'm coming to the conclusion that I don't want my unit bases to be all the same pose and exactly the same. And uh, Blue Moon uh, ticks that box very nicely. Because they're, they're quite big, aren't they? They are. I think they even sell themselves as 18s, don't they, overtly? Yeah, but, yeah um, I'd say they're, they're I'd say they're substantial. I'd look at them as sort of six-foot-tall guys rather than giants. But, yeah, um, generally speaking, they are quite solid. And, um, well, I, I like them. I was, I was quite impressed with them. And how did you approach that, um, you know, that night, well, that difficult decision about how do you paint a Langshneck's ripped sleeves? Did you... Yeah. Do you do well, one colour and do the gaps or dry brush the top or what was the, the way to get the fluffy stuff? Yeah, that was that, that was tricky. And I've sort of, you know, had, had a few failed attempts before I came up with something I, I, I decided with. My first attempt was undercoat everything grey because I can see what, what grey is. Then 
I um, painted the, I basically did the main colors. I did, what I did was I got a colored chart of about 10 different colored paints and cross-referenced them. So I did one guy like white top, black, you know, blue trousers, white top, red trousers, blue top, red trousers, and, you know, expand that out and you end up with about 120 combinations and you just follow your way along that. So you do the red, all the red bottom half first, all the red top halves and do it out from there. Then when I saw what colour the tops were, I tried to do the puffy sleeve bits in a sort of contrasting colour and I tried a, a sort of washy, a wash down um, thing to start with. This was on the first unit and that didn't go quite as well as I hoped. So next time what I did was I did an undercoat. Well, I did, I did the undercoat. Then I painted the bright colours over the puffy sleeves and then I dry brushed the main colour over it so that the um, weaker colour hopefully shone through. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, dry brush, bit of, so a bit of all sorts of techniques there then really. Um, yeah, did it, did the it uh, Blue Moon figures, Blue Moon Landsnacks, are they sort of like early Landsnacks or later Landsnacks with the giant trousers? Uh, no, these are sort of uh, early Landsnacks, you know, co cod pieces, um, sort of, you know, slit trousers and slit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a variety of, of styles, but yeah, basically, these are sort of 1520s type things, you know, they look okay. like they're wearing pizzas on their heads. And, um, That's some serious going there, Andy. Getting all those done, well done. I mean, yeah. uh, we saw the pictures of them; they look great. Thanks. You know? Well, it's, it's the some serious effort in it. Yeah, thanks. But um, uh, I mean, if you look too closely at any individual figure, it might not be that artistic. But the overall effect of it, with the variety of colours and couple of flags, and you, you know, I think was would give the effect. You know, um, a, a, a large a, a large bunch of fancy looking dudes. You know, and also what, another thing I liked about them was doing them as pikemen on an 80 mil wide base, you could actually fit eight figures as, on a base because the because the actual base sizes were sensible rather than massive. Right, okay. So, so I can get, so, so I, I had um, 32 figures on, on, each, on each unit base of 80 by 60 in, in four ranks of eight. Wow, wow, that's pretty chunky then, isn't it? Yeah. That looks like a solid, solid mob of people, yeah. That looks like super thing good okay and have you bought anything since then or are you just actually maintaining the discipline to finish all 250 of them before you um before you move on to something else well you're always afraid you might run out of things to paint which in fact i'm not gonna, yeah, it's always a big I, risk i made a it? list stuck it on the inside of my wall games covered a project and there's about seven or eight there but um i bought a few extra bits i thought in the museum sale since you adverted to it I needed some light artillery for the lunch next, so I bought them from museum. And I thought, well, while I'm buying from it, um, what else have they got? So I bought some Arab bowmen for my Sicilian Normans to make up the LMI bow that you need for that army. Um, and on spec, I bought a pack of hoplites and a pack of the Indian um, swordsmen in the new Z range that you see mm. beautifully photoed in the um, in, in their promotional material. And yeah. um, I must say I wasn't actually wowed by those figures. I mean, you know, once I try and paint them up, they might look really nice. But uh, on the downside, I thought the hoplites were all the same pose, eight, eight in a pack, which I thought was a little bit dull. Yeah, I think I think you can choose a mix. They've got four poses for those hoplites, and you either get a pack with a mix or you buy a pack of single pose. But, or maybe um, it's just the way I chose it. Then, maybe but, but bit, my, yeah, mine was a single pose pack. Yeah, no, I, but I, I got some of those as well, and I think. 
the the castings on on the hoplites weren't as crisp as as i think i've had in the past maybe you know maybe they are just shifting an awful lot of them um yeah but but i got some of their new um well we'll talk about later some of their new persians which were much much crisper so it yeah they sent me be... one of them as, as a sample free sample okay which i hadn't asked for but i got the impression on the hoplites the perturges weren't very well defined yeah no exactly that that's that was exactly what i thought with them as well they weren't as sharp as some of the other ones but but i suppose it's the museum sale so he's probably cranking out a load of stuff but still it should be um yeah i mean i would say that, you know the might paint up very nicely but uh you know, based on what people were saying and the yeah. comments, they didn't wow me when I suddenly opened them up, yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. So, so okay. the jury's out on that for the moment. Okay. All right. Well, look, let's let's move along. Um, Tamsin, what have you been what have you been painting over the last month or so? How, how eclectic has that been and how much shopping has sat behind it as well? Well, uh, shopping, shopping side, Ooh. not much. I think, I think last time we got together, I said I'd ordered Put an order in with Lancashire Games for some more Germans that Germans and Romans to upgrade my infamy infamy force to sort of full ADLG armies, and those arrived. And other than that, the only other purchases have been books. So, okay. uh, painting wise, so not a great deal. I vote the news team, news crew, and some that are mentioned before. They, I got those finished eventually. This is for the Judge Dread stuff, isn't it? Obviously. Yeah, this um, is for Mega City One. Yeah. Remind me, these are what, 32 mil or 28 mil? Right. These these figures that you're seeing now are actually cobblestone. So it's probably I so it's proper 28 rather than 32. So a little bit smaller okay. than the warlord stuff, but still there. Yeah, hey, very dynamic. And then sort of last week, well, I took a bit of a break from painting then last week. Finally got onto the my special edition mini from Warlord Games for Judge Dread, Judge Dread bit. So it's Judge Dread versus Judge Death. That is an awesome pick sculpt. That is that's really nicely animated, isn't it? It's nicely animated, but it was an absolute bugger because it cast in metal and it doesn't fit. So there's a lot of green stuff work that had to be done. Oh right, that's a multi part that doesn't doesn't glue together. Oh, that's yeah, work. I, so it's, there's a fair bit of green stuff work involved putting that. Have you just done? Have you just done green stuff to um, fill it, or green stuff to actually no, build up more of that? I do a lot of gap filling. Wow. So around Dred's waist, and I think it's his right shoulder. Okay. Do you think that was down to down to the original casting, or did you just get a duff one, or um? You know, I think it might you... have been the original casting. Right. I I couldn't see how. It should have fitted, no. How it would have fitted otherwise, I think. The detail was there. It was just the huge gaps of if when you actually started tried gluing it. So, so how how did you do that kind of spectral green smoky oh, kind of stuff? Did you start black and then no. build up, or started with a sort of started with a medium medium green and then sort of dry brushed with progressively lighter up to white and then went over it with glazes a, a glaze of i think it was vallejo fluorescent green green as a glaze then because some of that's quite dark go isn't back, it go back yeah. do a bit more i do a bit more dry brushing with white go over that that with with the green glaze and gradually build it building it up and so some really bright parts and some less bright well that's really worth it that's a really really good effect guys 
that um it's just yeah it's just a shame the figure didn't fit together cleanly doesn't it that's um yeah oh you can't yeah. you can't really see the no like, where the green stuff is yeah so yeah. That, wow all right so so once um once these guys are all or guys and girls are all kind of in in mega city one is it back to has, has your lancashire games order arrived yet oh yeah that, that arrived before christmas but i don't want because i'm still i was expecting to be moving moving out of london this month right anytime soon i didn't want i didn't want to start i the only other products i've got for painting would probably be the at least two weeks work and i don't want to start something and then have to stop part way through to pack it up put it all away yeah all right so you're going to be kind of um just yeah. just doing tiny tiny things then over the next few weeks then yeah I, so amazing I'm still, waiting, still waiting for a completion date on on the new house so. right wow and then um so what within a, a couple of podcasts hopefully we'll be talking to you in your brand new enormous painting yeah, room hopefully hopefully um, with with northern light or something like that um, coming into it okay this means war all right well look go, going around um, from from moving up north to um north harrow mr saunders um We've, um, I, I know what some of the stuff that you've been collecting and painting because we did a, a dubious handover at the Hangar Lane gyratory system after we both tramped halfway across London in um, in lockdown three or whatever it was to to, to do some synchronised exercise or so it might be called. But but since since December, what was there any finishing off before that that big um, big order came through? There was some Byzantine cavalry which had been loaded. I mean, I tried. I basically tried to clear the decks clear the painting table to make space for the new acquisitions but um like you always do you get stuck into the new acquisitions don't you yeah the new stuff is always more tempting isn't it yeah and me and it's a whole army of uh so it's a legio heroica entire army for uh so my favorite adlg armies medieval armies uh, medieval spanish I know I've got loads and loads of different medieval figures from Donington and I've got a Lego Heroica army to be specifically Spanish and I've got stuck into painting that. And, uh, yeah, and I was, I was chuffed that came through so quickly, actually, because it was it was kind of get an order in before Brexit um, and, and before that makes it. And it did come remarkably quickly from um, from the guy at Lego Heroica. Um, but, but it does sound like from what I've been reading online that it's going to get a bit more complicated to get anything in from Europe from from now on in. But there was some quite some weight of figures. You had something like 30 packs or something, 30-odd yeah, yeah. packs of the things, the full well, set. I and bought his armies before. I'm all my, all my um, Arab figures I bought about six years ago, five years ago. They're, they're great figures, aren't they? Uh, I, I've got a load as well. It, you know, I got my Mongol army from them. I really like them because they're, they're they're quite staid positions, so you know they're all they're quite um, like a like you want a Napoleonic army with five guys all marching but in sl with slightly different head poses and things like that. So they're quite they're they're not very dynamic. They're very staid, but there's a lot of variety in there, and I think they they paint up so beautifully. I've got 
a late Roman army of Legia Eroica and now this army. And, and as I say, all my Arabs, I've got so many Arabs, it's not true. But this, this army's, the idea of buying this army was going to keep me occupied for two or three months. Right. I, I figure another, maybe less than another month and the whole thing will be done. Is that you're enjoying it too much or is it just easier than I, you thought? I'm enjoying it too much because I also got from Donington a load of banners, uh, medieval Spanish, uh, feudal Spanish banners for the Battle of um, Navas de la Toza or something. So I, I, I'm getting to the point where I can actually name each night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of excessive, isn't it? They're not appearing in this podcast. It's challenge, isn't it? You know, yeah. like. Yeah, because they was started a, there was talking a... to you, Dave. What's that? Have they started talking to you, Dave? Yeah, a bit like that. No, no. I'm yeah, not... but he's in Spanish, so he doesn't understand it. Yeah, I don't understand any Spanish. No. It's all right. Um, Dave's got his accent that he puts on. No, no. I've, I've got <laughs> the, uh, the Crown of Aragon One Command with a big yellow and red banner, and I've got um, the Duke of Cadbury. It looks like a Cadbury's cream egg because he's purple and white. Is he literally the Duke of Cadbury, or um... he's, uh, he, he's no. um, Leon, the King of Leon? Funnily enough, the Duke okay. of Ferrero Rocher, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then <laughs> I've, I've still got the King of Castile to come. So those are the three, the three commanders. But the knights have all got, you know, uh, the Donington banners tell you which banner is who and which battle they were at and things like that. So that is, is, is that's been really good fun. Hey, question for you on Spanish knights. Um, do they look the same as Frankish, like French knights, or do they look, or is there a different style and they look Spanishy? If you see what, do you just use the same figures that you would use for French knights, or are there specific, I don't know, Spanish dresses that they wear, or Spanish armor, or Spanish styles, or is it? I think they should look slightly different. I mean, well, I've used um, Lego Heroica's feudal range, so they're in. I've got a mix of early 13th century and mid um, 13th century. So some have got kettle helmets, some have got um, great helms, and some have got the sort of in between, the sort of the sort of slightly like top helmet and a front face plate. But I actually think a Spanish knight should just have a round cask helmet. If any, I think from what, from what I, from the WRG books, again, they should be slightly lighter armed, because they were fighting um, Moors, so it's more of a lighter cavalry action, and the help the, the, the shield should be slightly different. But these these are just a mix of long um, Norman style shields and uh, heater shields. Okay, but that, this this going to look fantastic, and you know that'll be my competition medieval army sorted out for certain. So, so those Spanish armies are on that sort of cusp from from everybody carrying Norman-type shields into everybody carrying those sort of heater-type shields, then they can get a proper mix of that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've mixed it up. I mean, you know, basically the, the, the Legio Heroica range is some knights from uh, 1195 to 1230, and the other knights are from around 1250. But I thought, you know, they're basically, some of them are a bit outdated, whatever. So they're a mixture of both, but I've, I've done quite a few sergeants with the knights. So it's so the sergeants are in a lesser helmet and a kettle helmet. So there's more of them carrying the banner. So there's maybe one knight in a cast helmet and, a, and two sergeants, that sort of thing. 
Right. So you just got some more followers and stuff mixed in there then. Yeah, a bit like that. And, and that way I can mix up. So you can say, you know, these nights are elite. These ones are just ordinary. That's what, and, 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 you know, and the, the Lego Heroica do really good generals, a, a bag of generals. So it's really easy to determine this is a general who's an included general because a lot of the nights I use are included generals. So I've got all the options. In fact, I've got too many nights as you always end up doing. So I'm probably going to have, uh, let's see. You've got the start of another army, Dave. That's what you've got. I've definitely got enough for uh, 300 points, if we put it that way. That's good. Wouldn't Spanish armies have been fighting each other? So if there was no moors around, they'd get the hump with each other and have a fight, wouldn't they? Well, it's Castile versus Aragon versus Navarre. If, if Iñaki's listening, he's going to be really upset because I painted him all as Castile, Leon, and Navarre, and sorry, <laughs> and Aragon, but I've not painted any as um, Navarre. No, you need to take some Navarre. That's where we all go on competitions. A Navarista, I suppose. Yeah. Because when we say, I ask him if he's Basque, he was kind of no, no, he's from Navarre, you know. So, <laughs> so Dave, was it, was it Navarre? Was it Navarre that you were saying had really dodgy troops, troops and they were all cowards? Yeah, exactly. It yeah. was them that you said <laughs> that, wasn't it? Pamplona. Yeah, just <laughs> all around the city of Pamplona, indeed. All those bulls they keep chasing around. Yeah. It, it, it does something to their uh, cojones. Yes, <laughs> well, <laughs> somebody do. does something, yeah. Because um, there was a moment over Christmas when um, everybody was, um, I think we were all watching various different versions of El Cid weren't we there was the there was the Charlton Histon version on then there's that new version on Netflix as well but I think um Dave you might have actually watched the whole thing have you or I've watched um well I, I treated I, yeah I, I, to digress off the points so I've, I've seen the El Cid many times on the Charlton Heston but I did yeah. watch it again for the fun of it but that, that's not the army I'm doing that's that's much earlier that's that's feudal right. feudal Mine okay, good. And, you know, that's no, that was no good for research, especially Heston. But um, and the yeah. TV show is the wrong, well, obviously the wrong period as well for what I'm yeah. doing. But how how is that? Because it's on my um, is it Spanish and sub subtitles or something? It's, it's actually in English. It's dubbed into English. The one yeah. I saw on Netflix. It's kind oh, of I enjoyed it. American. Yeah, it's not bad. I thought it's kind of dubbed into American. If you put turn the subtitles on. Hmm. and watch it with the subtitles the subtitles and the dub over are completely different right i found a good series on tv over, over the holidays that's a thing called barbarian and it's basically about arminius uh leading up to the battle of the tutor burger world when the when the germans um captured the, the three roman uh eagles Roman the german yeah, it's yeah, called is that Bar yeah. Is that Netflix and as that well? goes. Yeah, it's called yeah. Bar and Barbarian. Goes, um, I thought it was quite good, actually. Yeah, they use German, um, Latin, and English, don't they, at various yeah. times? Yeah. And and again, that's prompted on our little um, WhatsApp group this week. The um, the discovery, and maybe we should just let everybody listening do this. If you um, if you do a Google Maps search for the Teutoburger Wald, um, <laughs> and then um, you'll get all the different or you know Teutoburg Forest and then you get all the different ratings if you um click the button that says sort by lowest rating first um it's it's kind of worth doing but um but no so there's been plenty of stuff on telly as well no I think I um I I did watch the Charlton Heston thing and I've 
painted up or repainted some um, some shields to to match some of the shields from that. Just going around this, so pizza. Um, you've, I think, last time we spoke, you were recovering from a from a bout of the COVID lurgy, and um, and then you've had a, a Christmas with children, which is always kind of demanding. Have you managed to to sneak away and get anything in painting wise done? Um, painting wise, I carried on with a bit of the Napoleonic stuff. So I've um, been carrying on with. I've got I've got some French back when we were in Excel. Um, when I was wandering around with a few of you, actually. So I, I decided to have a go at some of those. So I, I got to the stage of getting the horses done and getting the saddles done. Um, okay. But then um, it was back to work and everything took over. Um, so I've been going nonstop since uh, what it feels like, you know, Jan 1st. Yeah. Uh, all a bit boring, but there we go. But um, present-wise and buying-wise, um, I was fortunate. Um, Santa brought me some... Uh, um, army painter metallic paints so i can carry on my uh, gold theme not only can Brilliant. i do gold i can do <laughs> can all of the varieties of the bling stuff yeah. yes Brilliant. i like it some serious nice bling and i've tried them out and they look good um uh, a new pack of uh, nice paint brushes which um came in a nice sort of like velvet bag and uh, every size under the sun so i was very happy with those as well as i got some uh, more uh, contrast paints some of those and um, a new wet palette because mine was looking a bit raggedy. So uh, uh, nicely set up actually for doing more painting and uh, families encouraging me to do yeah. more. So which which one? Um, which wet palette did the, you get? Uh, Santa brought uh, the army painter one. All right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, so, I was uh, um, I was refilling mine this morning actually, just thinking this just is a good thing. It's it's heavy. It's the right size. It's the right. Shape. It's just good for wargaming, even though it kind of. It just feels like you should be able to find a cheaper version that's designed for some art or something, but but that one actually just is worth paying for. Um, it's it's robust enough. It's um, you know, it, it can cope with me, so that's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, for for me, I like it because you know I can get that half an hour painting in and then close it up, come back to it, you know, in between stuff when I have a break. Um, so I'm quite pleased about it. Um, you know, stuff for this year. I'm going to carry on with the Napoleonic stuff. I did. Have you finished the Bavarians, Peter? No, I just had your um, uh, flags come through the post. Thank you. Um, I've got that to uh, open. It's sat here in front of me. Um, so well, I've, I've got various ago. projects. Yeah, I've got various projects to finish and uh, everything else. So uh, um, it's almost a case of I've just got to, you know. Um, focus and use up some of the days off that I've still got stacked up to uh, sit down, relax back. It's just um, finding some peace and quiet and doing it. Right. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I think we all um, are kind of keen that you um, carry on with your day job, really, as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all kind of part of the plan. But um, but in terms of days off, certainly from from my point of view and the stuff that um, I've got through, it's been it's been a kind of fairly eclectic and productive set of painting in fact i'm just um i'm just thinking maybe the best way is to actually have a quick look at my paypal account and um and see what's kind of gone out from the last because there's been 
it, it's just very difficult when you're sat here not to um it just says paypal payment you can't it doesn't it doesn't tell you what you bought <laughs> oh well no that's 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 the bank account thing but if you look at the actual paypal thing so oh. if i'm if i'm looking so so what did i do in reverse order so i've just got um adam you'll be delighted with this i've got two cans of plastic soldier company dunkle gelb that have come mm -hmm. through um your favorite color and i've undercoated a whole armies full of um world war ii germans in dunkelgelb I, I think the last couple of days the weather broke finally and i was able to get out and do some spraying so um was that 10 mil um yep 10 mil stuff so um kind of replacing all of my my 10 mil stuff and now i've just got a lot of things in dunkelgelb and i've got to take that decision about now they're all undercoated do i try and do the camo before i do the the army painter wash or do i do the army painter wash first or do i try and do an army painter wash just in the the to coin a phrase from another podcast crevices um and ooze it into those crevices and then then do something else technical try that with one vehicle and see how it goes that's yeah that'd be sensible though wouldn't it but i'm but i've well, got sorry a lot, about that you know damn no no but that's a very good point I will, I will what are you leaning towards um i think i'm leaning towards painting um into the crevices with the army painter and then maybe sort of dry brushing with the vallejo um dunkel gelb equivalent which is called middlestone that is a very 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 close match for the army painter one um and then and sort of starting with that and then trying to do then trying to do the sort of stripes with a bit of blending and things so that they look a bit airbrushy but it's not going to be um i, I just want to it, it looks like kind of my next project, but um, but that a lot of that stuff, some of them were the Red 3 tanks I've got. Some um, I undercoated some of the Victrix stuff as well, some of the um, Arrowhead miniatures things as well. So I, I've got a load of stugs and bits and pieces. Then, then just a couple of days before I got, got that, because I've still not got the, um, the British Green, and I've been umming and ahhing, do I buy the British Green spray from... Um, plastic soldier company because they've now got it in stock themselves or do i go for the dark green spray from halfords which looks pretty similar but i don't know what the color match would be for that or i've got a feeling that i've done some tanks certainly six mil tanks in normal army painter green that's just kind of a quite almost a brighty blandy green and then put the really dark wash on them and it really tones them down a lot. Um, so I've got about two or three different ideas to do for it, but um, I suspect I'll end up just buying the army painted stuff. And then, <coughs> and then before that, um, which is going back a, about a week, I had to order, um, I, I had to order some more bases, some more 40 by 30 bases from Pendragon and mini bits because I've been rebasing my 15 mil Normans. And then I decided because I'd done them, I needed to rebase my Vikings and Rust to match. Not entirely sure why. I think I've, I've got two different types of basing and one used to be from medium and heavy knights onwards. And then my Normans were um, in my ancients basing color. And that was kind of the cutoff. And I've moved the Normans into the medieval basing and um, I'm now rebasing something like 500 Russian Viking figures, which yeah. is an awful lot of 40 by 30s. But um, 
but I'm sure it's going to be worthwhile because they're they're not lists that you ever really bloody use. Um, so I ordered another 160 bases in a, a bulk pack from Pendragon, which meant I had to buy a couple more tanks and things and a Werble Wind and some other malarkey from them that will be coming in. Um, I got what some, rule set do you use for all these then? Um, it will be Blitzkrieg Commander when we well, when we finally get back to doing stuff because it's a good old set for for shoving stuff around and watching things happen. You know, it, you don't have the game control that you would with the Flames of War, but your orders just don't get through and they sit there and funny things happen. Things happen. Yes, it's stuff a bit happens. like um, the Warmaster command system, isn't it? It's, it's literally it's exactly the Warmaster one. It's Warmaster. The more times you do it, the more chance you've got things going wrong. Yeah. But the good thing about it is you can get that sort of like for World War II, you can get that sort of like sweeping armored advance thing going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So World War II game that's basically about the tanks. There are infantry as well, and the infantry is useful yeah. and good, but you can get that whole sort of like hit them with the artillery and then the armor rolls forward and breaks through and it's all quite yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah, when you get that run of dice and things work, you get the command, you get your tanks sweep around the flank, get stuck in, you blow an army away. It's all brilliant. Another day. It's actually the War Master, that happens. War Master system is far yeah. better for World War II than it is for oh, Ancients or War definitely, Master. Definitely. It fits yeah. far better. Yeah. I'd be interested to have a go with that sometime. I think I've got British and German armies. They're not absolutely huge. Um, no, you, they don't, don't need to be. They don't need to be. It's great. Yeah. It's, in fact, it's almost better with more space. But yeah. also I've got this, is this going to show, this pit head thing. So this is a, it's supposed to be for the Western Desert, but... Um, is it a radio um, kicking or something? No, no, it's it's a truck with a ladder in the back of it and a bloke climbing up the top for artillery <laughs> spotting. <laughs> right. so, um, so it's Cut like, the so in the Western Desert, because there was nothing to climb up. They actually yeah. supposedly did that. So, so I'm going to be using that in Northwestern Europe in 1944. Well, wouldn't that be um, sort of sand color? I suppose in the Western. In, yeah, they, they in literally the just uh, tied a ladder up to the yeah. uh, vehicle, didn't they? Yeah, just and just shimmied up it. So, so I, I added some extra bits and pieces from Pithead, who um, um, mm. I had a conversation with him before Christmas, and um, I said, explain to him how the post, how to post stuff in postage. <laughs> um special post boxes which meant i got them a bit quicker which was great mm. so i'll probably help someone out there um <coughs> I, 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 some... I saw the victrix are going to be bringing out some vests and other type of um stuff in their 12 mil range yeah, but who who needs six vests you know I don't six, need six. I, could, I could i could do with two so if if, if yeah you and adam each thing. needed two we could order a pack and split them I, i'll have to look at the bkc i think it might even be a vest might be kind of a one one person thing but but i got um some victrix 28 mil or 20 whatever it is mil macedonian cavalry from north star with that sale code that you um you found andy that meant that they were cheaper from north star than they were with from victrix direct with the victrix discount for being a victrix advocate loyal customer or something bizarre yeah, which was kind of like weird but had that um I found a. Why a did you railway. get twenty-eight mil Macedonians? And um, because I'm slowly building a plastic twenty-eight mil um, Seleucid army that will be a project. So you know, like you do, um, I don't admit it to myself, but every now and then, another bag of the Victrix stuff, you know, with twenty-four Python turns up and gets put in a cupboard, and I forget about it, which is actually <laughs> why I, um, <coughs> which is why I, at some point. 
if you've got any spare hands with um, romphias from your Thracians um, or, or heads and things like that, bits spare yep. arms and legs from the Thracians, I'd love to have them because I think there's some kit bashing to be done with the the Victrix um, sort of Peltasts box set and to stick some romphias and some other heads on them to turn them into other types of Thracian Peltast because um, nobody really makes great Thracians that I've found. Um, Got I've found a mon do you want, do, sorry, do you, uh, do, one of the things that makes it really difficult to accidentally buy stuff or really easy to accidentally yeah. buy stuff. Now I've heard, so I think Simon came up with the, uh, the term or the concept of an eBay accident. Yes. Where <laughs> quite close to me, there's a really good toy soldier shop that stocks historicals as well as yeah. Warhammer and stuff. Yeah. You think it's an accident accidentally buying stuff on eBay. I, I play most of my toy soldiers there. So I've yeah. got to walk through this and there's all the Victrix stuff. Oh yeah. And there's yeah. all the Perry stuff. Oh. And there's all that stuff. And there's it just, and, it's, it just, and it's not very well fastened, is it, to the hooks? It just jumps <laughs> yeah. off off the wall at you, doesn't it? All you have to do is pick it up and give them some money and it's yours. Yeah. It's just not really yeah, you can't even give them money now, you know, COVID. You just wave this card at them and they just let you take it away anyway. It's brilliant. It's the future. It's really, really clever. Um, so, yeah, I had an accidental purchase of that. And it's an army that I'm I, I'm pretending to myself I'm not collecting. Um, I, I had to buy some more flock because I realised my flock was too dark to uh, complicated. I found Orwell Model Railways seem to do very cheap flock. Um, I, I think it's like a shop in Ipswich or something bizarre. But it was just cheaper than other people's um, Javis flock. Um, I bought quite a bit. Of, I bought quite a bit of stuff from museum as soon as their sale started, because I've got this plan to replace my Essex Sparabara with the new museum ones, which are really nice. And then when you're on the website, you kind of think, well, if I'm buying the Sparabara and the Archers, I'll have another unit of hot lights, and then. And actually, I can do with some more Mycenaeans because there's a different way of putting the Mycenaean army together with more spearmen and less chariots. And I've got more chariots and less spearmen, so there's a few more Mycenaeans. And then the new um, museum th um, Thracian cavalry looked really nice. And I've been kind of umming and ahhing about um, the Zeiston ones, but I think I'm not sure they quite work as well for Thracians. So I've got some of them, which are they are really good, really clean castings. So I think I think there might be something going on with the um, with the hoplite ones possibly, but um, but the new castings are really really sharp for for that other stuff. Um, yeah, all this odds and sods from Pithead. Pithead do some really really obscure stuff. Um, that was back in December as well, and then um, and then I bought um, Santa brought some a Victrix elephant and some Victrix something else as well, which. Um, <coughs> which was luckily, obviously that came and that was tremendous at Christmas. And I got a, another book on Napoleon. So I'll actually be able to find out what, what rubbish you lot all taught me. Um, and what how was the book? Was. Just out of curiosity. It was the, the, the Adam Roberts one, I think. Napoleon. Oh, the was Great. it a biography of Napoleon? Yes, yeah, biography of Napoleon. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. Napoleon, not anti. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's um, once I finish my Vietnam War book, I'll be into that one. Tell you what, Tim. A few a little while ago, the concept of sort of like the concept of first world problems became fashionable. Yeah, and um, I think I've heard the most purest example of a first world problem. Um, my flock was a bit too dark, so I had to buy exactly. some more. <laughs> it was shameful, wasn't it? It was terrible. Yeah, but 
But yeah, but it's as long as it's not a bishop this. saying that. Yeah, and then um, so painting wise, I've painted some. I've bio stripped and painted some of those um, <coughs> those really dull Essex spearmen. Um, and I've undercoated them white and done them in contrast paint. So they're like little baby versions of the big ones that I've got, um, which I've done three bases of them. And I've got now about 10 bases of Arab spear and seven of them are really dull and three of them are brand new and nice and shiny. So you know which three are, are the only ones that are ever going to get fielded now um, <laughs> until I get tempted with buy a strip. I re-stripped some Essex hot lights and redid them. <coughs> Spent quite a lot of care on them, um, even though it was only two or three bases. And that was kind of worthwhile. That was just a different, trying a different style of painting because I had a bit more time over Christmas. But but I'm still not sure it's worth spending a lot of time on on hot lights because all you see is the shields. It, it literally is. So I've been I've been um, uh, trawling. Well, well, your opponent. So yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. The shield and maybe yeah. the helmet. Yeah. You see that. How back. did, how did yeah. you try painting them? What technique did you use? Um, well, I undercoated them in white and then um, doing a sort of a Dave thing in reverse. I um, I gave them a really dark wash, <coughs> sort of a black wash. Um, and then I painted the white back onto their, is it Linothorax armor? And those little protruges at the bottom so that it maintained the ink in the the cracks in the crevices um as we say on this podcast and um and then i did kind of some little tiny stripes of color on on the protruges and around the um shoulders and things like that to differentiate them and i, I basically just took a lot more care over doing them and built them up from white and um and i've been trawling Pinterest that I think me and Dave have both talked about quite a few times for images of Greek shields and I'm trying to work out exactly the right size to print them out onto transfer paper because not only clearly transfers are much better than anything I could paint myself um, or, or more accurately they're much better than the trans than the painted shields I did when I did all my hoplites about 20 years ago that now look like they've been done by someone who was much younger than I was at the time because um, they predated LBMS transfers even existing, I think. Um, <clears throat> so I've got, and I'm going to print those out and do water slide transfers to, to give them a bit of a design. And, and there's some really good stuff on, on Pinterest that you can find some really clean designs. As long as you've got the, the self-discipline not to um, just kind of download all the LBMS ones that, loads of russian people or other people have just uploaded onto pinterest anyway um but but yeah there's there's all sorts of interesting shield designs that i can use that that are quite nice so i think there is a task of probably rebasing and tidying up a load of my old hoplites but just redoing the shields and not doing the rest of them because i think the the effort for redoing the rest of them is probably not worth it but um but i think it was possibly triggered by by a podcast that um, me, Dave, and Rich did on on using loads of Greek spearmen, that kind of excited us about using Greek spearmen. So that that fired me up. I want my money well. back on that one. I tried using a load of Greek spearmen and I got walloped. Uh, well, you know, you obviously didn't listen to the end. That was um, yeah, that's no, the no, secret. No. There was a little bit after the music that said, "This is all a load of old bollocks." 
these armies are terrible. Don't don't believe it. There's <laughs> <coughs> always pace to listen Simon to the entry. Simon listen to that last bit. He's been asking me how to buy spotlights. I've been saying, right. don't, okay. do it. don't do it. Don't do it. It's funny how armies change from rule set to rule set. Because like your Russ that you said you're never going to use anymore. And in ADLG, they are pants. But I remember when they were just a really funny army to use. DBM. They're they were really funny. Yeah. Whereas now it's like you've got them all sitting in the drawer and it's like they're, it's, they're just spear ordinary and it's like in ADLG they're just like a bit hmm. yeah well, well all of spear rusting was I just started wargaming and played him at BrickCon in my first game which he played forever and yeah. I was that then everybody came up and said how do you get on I went well I don't know if I could ever beat that army and I said no you can't I was going what's no. the point of that then yeah. When you're sitting yeah. on the rust side of the table, it could be fun. Competition after competition, it would get really boring. But every now and then, it was yeah. just funny to go. It's still great. Yeah. Yeah. his technique, and it was just like so. Is it like across the table? So is it going to change in the new rule set now? Are we going to see substantial changes in that in the? That's the thing. Any changes four? to use of spears? Well, you know, I, I think there's a way to use them, and I think that they're, they're part of the, you know, that paper, scissors, stone thing. So I think if you change some of the other bits, spears might become a bit better because people will use more things that spears are good against. But but I don't know, you know, Russ with a Viking ally is is okay. I used that at a competition down in um, Bristol, and it, it gets wide enough, and as long as you get the waterway down, it's it's kind of viable. But you do need the Vikings to give it a cutting edge, but but I don't have enough rebased rust to fill, I think, an entire rust army. I think I can put 14 rust spearmen down, which is is two big commands just to soak some stuff up. And um, but yeah, that, but look, it's an army I got years and years ago. They're all two dragons figures. I really like them, and I want to um, give them a bit of love and rebase them and um, and deploy my rust abbot joke again at some point in time. So, <coughs> so um, I'm not. On the new new edition of ADLG, is um, does anybody know what the word on the street is for when it might be coming out? Well, I, I think there's been a couple there's been a couple of things on um, Facebook where the um, Fireforge games in Italy and some somebody in Spain have both posted we are the the partner for the you know Italian Spanish language version. Um, so that suggests to me that it's getting close or closer because they've identified someone to be a distribution partner, which you don't do if you're just kind of faffing around with <coughs> with not a plan. So um, so you would hope it's getting pretty close, to be honest. Um, but but I guess everybody's lives are a little bit disrupted at the moment, so it probably depends what's happening with, with Hervé and his real job, whatever that is. But, okay. you know, it could well be by, by Easter. Easter. It'll, it, I'm, I, I would almost certainly say it's got to be before we start gaming again. That would be that would probably be my given guess. But <laughs> does anyone just, know if there's going to? So, so that's Easter 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, yeah. We'll never know. Does anyone know if there is or will be a, a British distributor? Dis, dis, it's always, it's always North Star. It's been North okay. Star for yeah, the last six years, and he's done. Brattle Empire Maybe as well, even so. put it online as well. He even said he will be. He Fine. posted about it. So it'll be North Star then. So um, 
yeah but they've they've not put up pre-orders or anything yet so um i, I guess it's coming around the last time we bought 25 copies in one go or something yeah. <laughs> something yeah. like that from the club. somebody picked what? them up from a show didn't they yeah, yeah. Well, look, Simon, you're um you're sat there patiently, um, and I know that you have been doing some painting because you're always doing some painting, and I know you've done some shopping because amongst all of us, you're the one least able to resist. I suspect it'd be a pretty tough competition, but um, but eBay just does do its siren spell over you. Um, so what's what's since the beginning of December, what has moved through the Lee Ray Mayer kitchen? Not as much as, uh, as your purchases. I have been impressed with um, all the random stuff that you've been buying. Um, the biggest thing for me that I purchased, there may have been an accident on the Lancashire Games website. Um, Accidents so he, do happen. He did, yeah, and you, know, you have to look after your small supplier, especially in this pandemic world. And you offered a 20% discount at Christmas time, so it would have been rude not to. Oh, well, that's, that stuff's cheap to start with, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, that, I, that's, what, that's why I ordered the extra Romans and Germans. Practically free. They're practically paying you to take them off your hands. Lancashire Games had a sale. That is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he, he did this nice sale. So I went for um, not the actual Lancashire model ones, but it's a... Uh, Vienna arranged the one that oh okay that that range they got hold of yeah yeah so needing that I uh, sorry I've done a lot of Renaissance so what do you need more Renaissance so um I bought a bucket load of their Ottoman Turk range so I could do an ADLGR Renaissance um, Turkish army so there may have been some heavy artillery lots of um, um, Couple cool, you know, the, the very nice mounted with you know, pistols or um, swords, you know, big sticks and things like that. Um, lots of genissary. So I've got a, a mixture. So, unlike, say, museum or other ranges where often they just have one model of genissary, the, the Vienna Exia range has quite has a few different um, poses of the models. So some are with, with swords, uh, pole, uh, pole weapons. Um, with muskets and things like that. So you can make quite an interesting pose on a you know, the, uh, ADLGR style of base. So it actually mm. looks like a, you know, a swordsman unit with muskets rather than a, just a, a bunch of bowmen or occasionally a bunch of muskets, maybe with a guy waving a sword. So when you look at it, you go, yep, that's definitely going to be impact swordsman coming my way. Um, yeah. So they've come up really nicely. Um, so I, uh, I may have bought about 300 points just, just to give me some options. Um, so and I'm slowly working my way through them. Um, so what, what are, you know, because that was a, a real, you know, well-regarded range when back in the day when it was Venexia, wasn't it? Um, how have they, um, um, how have they transferred over to, because um, they, they went to the States, they came back, is it? Um, the mold's definitely tired. Okay. So um, um, there's a few a few of the genissaries who are like, you know, guy holding a shield, uh, like a little a buckler shield and a sword in his hand raised. 
and a few of them, the sword, the actual sword metal was quite flimsy. You basically looked at it, it snapped off right at the handle. Well, I, I think that was an issue with the original ones because I thinking back, I've got a really small number of um kind of Cossacky light horse, and they've got I, a, I think it might have been an original issue with the original designs. And um and, and I know uh, Dave when he bought some um Janissaries from Old Glory. Um, you said there was some uh, some of the moulds for some of the command units where they uh, got you know the trumpeters and all that. The trunk, the actual trumpet itself. If you look at it harshly, it might yeah. uh, might break or bend over. So, <laughs> but at two pound fifty or two seventy five for a pack of eight, you, you know. Yeah, true. You can you can deal with some attrition in there. Yeah, and the judiciary is a def definitely a vibrant bunch. So, you know, a couple of people have lost swords, but then the rest of them got big pole arms and muskets and, you know, banners and stuff like that. So it looks okay. like quite a unit. And, and do they price them the same as their other ranges then? Um, or, or comparable? It's not any different? Or? No, no I think it's slightly different. Uh, please hold while I go to their website. Yeah. Um, they were they were really cheap. They were like two pound forty five, weren't they? Yeah. So the the Venexia range, um, the retail price is two pound four. Uh, so three pound ten for four mounted. It's not a bad price. So then with the that's discount, still yeah, that's a long way below like four quid, isn't it? That's um, yeah. So seventy um, a go. Yeah. Um, so they're quite. Nice. They were really really famous figures when I started. I mean, that's not long ago. I started playing again. Yeah. Um, they were really well-respected figures then, weren't they? Yeah. I suppose if they managed to buy the moulds for not very much at all, it yeah. doesn't matter. They can charge um, a lower price. Yeah. So, so the, the, each of the minges is not as sharp as, say, you know, a good Essex or a good museum one with a mm. nice up and all that. But, you know, nothing um, um, a bit of milli putt and uh, a, a few files and not be able to go outside for during let's say yeah, a lot <laughs> uh, yeah. sit here and file some models and get them looking nice so yep. um i think they'll look quite spectacular once you get the whole army on the table with lots of banners and you know all pretty reds and greens and stuff like that and you know mad colors on the horse and big guns look really good and uh, my opponent charges straight through them all yeah. and didn't you um I'm not dobbing you in here, but I'm dobbing myself in. I've just remembered that we did a um a furtive backstreet exchange of some QRF figures as well. Um, which means you must have placed an order for QRF at some point, or was that a while, a long time ago? No, that yes, that was part of the um the Turk army as well. So what I did okay. is I bought some of the QRF ones and the uh, Lancashire models. The Venexia, okay. Different range as well, so just make it a bit more vibrant. So, um, and I only met Tim because we happened to be exercising in a similar location. We just happened to walk past each other. That it was wasn't it. planned. Yep. That wasn't was getting it. my eyes tested. <laughs> no, no, exactly. No, no Barnard Castles involved here at all. Uh, it was an en passant, um, yeah. jousting kind of experience at the end of 12 foot poles, for sure. Yeah. So, and, and the thing that I'm looking at purchasing is... Yeah, I'm a big fan of museum miniatures. So it's like, what more can I buy from the, the 25% of their sale? And this year they're doing 25% rather than 20%, which is quite nice. And I have been looking at the, and, and I've put the order together to do a, a Hoplite and a Alexander the Great Army type of combination. So, because if you buy those two, you can do all the classic Greek style Seleucid and all the other, other ones. So, um, 
I'm just about to hit the um, um, proceeded checkout, so this could get expensive. All right, like, yeah, it does. It sort of creeps up, doesn't it? You think it's very cheap, but then you realise you've ordered fifteen packs or something. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I'm, twenty and thirty. I've yeah. never, never done a hoplite army, so I listened to the podcast, and um, I hope the models will go okay because I think I know that you know spear is not particularly exciting, but I think it would look just quite impressive, you know, especially in a more period specific competition. You know, lots of hoplites running around and stuff like that, and you can make various, you know, this is Sparta jokes and all that. So um. Yeah, I will. But I think bear in mind with them, the um, they sell their own LBMS shield transfers yeah. direct, and nobody else sells them. You yeah, can't get them LBMS, so um, so that's always the thing to bear in mind with that one. Okay, then, good. Well, I think that's um, I, I think. Where we going on? Oh, can I ask for some shopping advice? Go for it. Yes, shopping um, advice. People might be able to help me. It's because I've got to do um, some baggage for my um, dashins. And uh, what I want is I want a baggage camp that will kind of work for tribal barbarian-type people for a few hundred years. 25 mil. Donington. Rec- can, Donington does 25 mil. Oh, 25. Um, yes, 25 yeah. mil. So, it's, so I could troll the internet a lot, but... Um, I, I'd be tempted. I think um, Pendragon slash Minibits, whatever that brand is, do a range of animals in different sizes and also war bases do some animals in different sizes okay so and you're going to buy something from one of those two anyway war bases it's just 25 mil animals okay so so but if you want a 25 mil army having some animals um while you're buying some bases or while you're buying some 10 mil tanks or something like that is is good um i think they could double up as a stampeding herd in some armies as a ritual like a scythe chariot um, you want loads of racks of dead bodies hung up position. Um, skulls and things you can also buy some maybe from war bases you could get some like an mdf cart or something mm-hmm. glue that in or, or paint that up so that's just a, a kind of cheap one-stop thing but yeah. I've, I've not gone too too big and i think mine mine are just kind of pigs and goats and stuff just just sat there because in 25 mil you're going to lean over the table and knock it off aren't you um particularly so particularly if you're attacking with the dacians so um well, what, what i've seen sometimes on the 25 mil things people actually do a like a 15 mil type camp sort of thing so it looks as though it's off in the distance because it just fits quite nicely on it so, so these are small and those are far away yeah big cow little cow Oh, big cow, little cow, big cows, and little cows. But, but if it's not the figures themselves, but an actual camp or an encampment, like uh, you, if you're building, say, a tribal village or something, it's off in the distance, sort of thing. So you can actually buy an encampment from in six mil or something from um, irregular, and go the whole yeah. hog and just mm-hmm. do it really, really far away for something like that. This means war. Well, look, we've done painting, we've done shopping, we've done um, we've done shopping advice. Um, possibly, possibly that could become a new feature. People could um, email in with um, what what how can we help them buy something, and um, and we can make our own slightly half-hearted suggestions, but but possibly off the basis of that stuff. Personal shoppers, personal shopping. Yes, the personal shopping feature. That's probably a whole new set of um, 
set of audio, isn't it? Um, I suspect that it would be influences. That'd be dangerous. Yes, we could be internet influencers, but but in terms of internet, internet's where we all have been playing, really. And um, if I'm, I'm imagining, so probably the best place to start in this is is Mr. Finkel, and I imagine in the last month or so, you must have a an enormous um, track record of of battles against your regular online opponents and possibly other people as well. How has the oh, campaign well, yeah. of <laughs> campaign of strategists been going? Um, yeah, it's. it's um... We we done uh, we got fed up with doing Romans against uh, hairy ass barbarians, so we skipped some of those. So we 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 had a really good game of patrician Romans against Huns, and um, basically battle the Catalonian fields. And uh, I was patrician Romans. It's the first time I'd ever won a game with them. And Dave was somewhat surprised when I my army consisted mainly of impetuous cavalry and and not a lot else. I think he was expecting some. Uh, Federati on foot, and I didn't have any on foot. They were all on horses. Um, so that was a fun game. Then we did, uh, we backtracked and did Charania, which was Macedonians against Greeks. And having listened to the podcast, I thought, well, I'll try the Greeks. So I had an army of 27 or 28 units, about half of them were hoplites. And the elite Spartan hoplites got absolutely slaughtered. And the rubbish Asiatic Greek allied hoplites kicked off when I was in front of them. It was somewhat bizarre, really. But was was that just just reminding me, Andy? Was that the podcast where we talked about hoplites for a long time and came to the conclusion that if you're using Spartans, take very few of them? It might have been. I, may have might have been, I, may yeah, that, that, I think that was right at the end. You'd probably stop listening by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, most yeah. people have, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, true. Good point. Yeah, good point well made. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we did that. Then I've had I've, I've Richard Case wanted to be taught how to play uh, uh, tabletop simulations, so I've given him a few games, and uh, they went they went the way it was expected. And um, I'm, I'm I'm yet to win one. Okay, that, that's that's a good to do. Start. So it's consistent. So Richard is as formidable on TTS as he is on the table, and uh, I got a complete I got a complete thrashing last night. That was. Uh, we were doing Alexander the Great against Porus, and he was the Indians. And uh, he'd obviously listened to the podcast about Indians, I'm imagining. Um, <laughs> Funnily enough, he might have done. <laughs> yeah, I think he might have done. Yeah, maybe you should have done as well. <laughs> Let me guess. Did he kind of hold in the centre and then push forward, shoot, and then have a one really punchy command? Well, it was also it was all punchy. There was elite elephants everywhere. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a bit tricky. That and they, and uh, m- one of my medium foot commands went up against his, and I had two elite. I'd, I'd taken my two uh, Argiraspides as medium spears, so I two. So I took. I took the view against Indians who don't have impetuous swordsmen. Medium spears are as good as medium swords. So hmm. I, you know, to try and boost the number of brain troops I had in the in the in the, in the Macedonian army, I had a number of medium spears, of which two were elite. But when they went up against his uh, one of his commands, I kept rolling ones to his sixes, and two of my units disappeared in the first round of combat. And after that, things got seriously horrible. Yeah, that that does make it kind of difficult when um, when yeah. those sorts of things are happening, isn't it? Really, for sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, of course, Richard doesn't give you any any op- any weak spots spots to hit anyway, which doesn't make life any easier. Yeah, no, no, I guess that's the case, isn't it? Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, um, looking around the um, around the list. Oh, I think I had a game against Simon. Oh. Did, did we do a game? Two games. Two you games. Two right. games. Well, Simon, okay. Simon, tell you about them. Yeah, Simon, talk us through those. Did you um, 
I'll talk through those in a minute. Um, but Tamsin, have you managed to put any of your Judge Dread stuff on table? Or no, I didn't. I mostly because until about a week week or so ago, sort of my table was full up of junk, which has now been tidied away, ready for packing. Yeah. Okay. So you've uh, just been. Uh, hopefully, I this week I might actually play a couple of game. I get a couple of game games done. I a few months ago, Warlord sort of released the free uh, solo Judge Dread campaign, and oh, about a week okay. or two ago, they released a solo campaign for Strontium Dog. So brilliant! So you've actually now got some some official Warlord collateral that you can um, that you can use to do that. That's Fantastic. A plan. Good. So and that won't even take up too much space, is it? What's the size of table? Three by three. Three by three. That's pretty pretty decent. So you can get all those fantastic figures on table and get some photos up on your blog, I guess. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Okay. All right. Adam, have you um you managed to sneak any illegal games at um in tournament or beat your kids up or anything like that? No, it's just um to celebrate the uh, new lockdown. Me and the kids had the game of pandemic, which is a uh, yeah. Always fun. Um, the world's doomed, by the way. Okay. Um, but other we, than that, we expected this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> other than that, been playing chess online a bit. Chess is always a um, fun, interesting game to play. I wish I was better at it, but it's like you got to work really hard to get good at chess. Or you, you know could just mean? be like that character in the Netflix thing, which is which is excellent, actually. I thought, but um, don't know if anyone else has watched that. No, Queen's Gambit. I Okay. Thing is, it's like yeah, I watched that. It's really good. My usual tactic playing war games is um, I plan to win fifty percent of my games by um, getting lucky fifty percent of the time, and it, it works out quite well over, over yeah. the course of um, a um, large amount season, of games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of doesn't work with chess. No, 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 not good at all. Not good at all. Yeah, you just need to start memorizing stuff. Yes, at some point you have to start learning the games, and that's when it gets weird. Yeah. So, were you? Um, what? How did your cricket bat wearing in Exodus? Did you manage to do that in secret? That oh yeah, I did. Jesus, when it's just um, it's good for stress because you've yeah. got to hit it really hard. But right. yeah, no, it's it's um, that was good. For, so it's all done, and he's had some nets with it before before the lockdown happened, and this he's mm-hmm. sort of like very pleased with the bat. Um, on the on the downside for stress, um, he got that for Christmas. He got the cricket bat for Christmas. Um, and my daughter got a drum set for Christmas, hey, which, actually, hey. which actually costs less than the cricket bat. No, we know. We all, we all clubbed together and got it for her. We didn't tell you, but you must have been delighted when you unpacked it's it. It's quite a bit louder. Um, quite a bit so, louder. Um, she's actually quite good, but it's like, yeah, drum sets are loud, didn't they, eh? Good figure. <laughs> You've not you've not banished her to the shed at the bottom of the garden yet, then. Um, no. Um, no. Yeah. Playing your drums in the bedroom. <laughs> you're thinking about it. Well, I her future see. plans are to hang around with musicians. Um, I just. Uh, <laughs> she's got a big brother. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. It'll all work <laughs> out in the end. Quite sweet people. What are you on about? Yeah, it well, can yeah. all be good. All right, Peter. What what about you in terms of um? taking on the kids has that been something you've been able to do over christmas or have they just been plugged into new xbox games um no we've been um playing uh, europa Universalis 4 i managed to hook up um three computers 
So doing multiplayer on that was absolutely hilarious because uh, when you come off pause, it sort of like starts ticking on and various events start popping up and uh, having your kids shouting about um, Aragon succession while you're worrying about um, Ottoman invasions was uh, quite amusing trying to manage it all in between. Um, right, so the game actually plays just on, a, on an internal network then? Um, uh, well, you can do it over the internet as well. So yeah. you can either do a LAN or uh, do internet server. So I had got... Um, what countries did you use? Um, I've tried... Uh, did well with Ottoman and England. Um, I found um, Ethiopia to be hard work and just annoying. Um, Castile, when I formed Spain, was good, but Aragon is a bit more of a challenge. And uh, forming Italy was a bit of fun, starting with Milan. But my son's done really well with Austria, with uh, managing the HRE and just taking over vast chunks of Europe. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I know nothing about the game, but I, it does strike me that Ethiopia would probably be one of the harder ones. But um, yeah, funnily enough, yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, it's it's all the different events and planning out the different things. So um, I managed to in one game form the Murgles and uh, storm across um, most of Europe. Oh, okay. Um, See, I've got to have my elephants, you know. Yeah, <laughs> invasion. All right. Any um, any sort of actual tabletop wargaming? Has it all just been online and? Um, we we tried to um, play around with a little bit of it, but um, with the usual Christmas stuff and um, you know, um, quite often, um, I'm sitting at the table and that when we sit outside and play a game because we've got a nice table outside. Um, oh. So it hasn't been quite conducive with the weather for that. And inside has had all the Christmas stuff and everything else. So uh, looking forward to playing a few games on the tabletop, uh, doing some tabletop simulator and actually pushing some miniatures around when I finish painting some more stuff up to test out some more Napoleonics. Okay. All right. So that's that's a fairly eclectic mix then of, of things. And um, Simon, I think we were we mentioned that you played Andy in a couple of games. Is that um, ADOGR online? Um, yeah, so Andy and I had a game, uh, I think one or two games. It's sort of hard to remember what happened over the last six weeks. With yeah. You actually sat there and shot the shit out of my uh, hop, um, pike keels, I think. Is that what happened? Yeah, we did. We definitely had at least one game of uh, Renaissance where we did um, Landstrix versus um, something French, I think it was, and also something German. So we did a... Um, 1520, 1530 AD, um, um, Italian, Italian city-states of Milan, Venice and all that, getting attacked by the Germans. So the emperor came over the, uh, the mountains and said, G'day, I'm here for your, um, your town. And that was quite a lot of fun. Things happened. There was violence. Um, I think one game I absolutely trounced Andy, and I think the next game Andy proceeded absolutely slightly senseless. So that was... Um, it was a lot of fun. We actually got the feel of what we're after from a Renaissance game of yep. mass Lanschnick units and uh, foot units manoeuvring around. The mounted were reasonably ineffective while the foot were reasonably tough or reasonably coherent and you know, not, not too much um, cohesion markers. For once, you know, the Archivist units and that started to cause casualties in shooting was one game where Andy um, charged one of my Lanschnick units um, three ways, front, back, and sides and all that. Things didn't go well very quickly. So um, uh, it, it's the way you sort of visualise these mass battles where if they're all in formation, and, you know, life is good, they don't care about the mounted. 
once the, the lanchanics of these kill units were a bit mauled and all that, then the knights were keen enough to give it a bit of a go. And when things happened, especially with Furious Charge and ADLG, when, when things win, you win big time. And these big holes started to appear. So um, it was just good fun. Things it's also a quick game to play because you've actually got fewer moving parts in terms of units. Mm. Okay. Because a lot of them are double sized. So you move them both as one, and that simplifies a lot of the movement decisions and speeds the game up. Yeah, so yeah. Like, you were a Tim, uh, when, when we used to play Fogar, we'd have those big games of um, Italian wars. You spend three and a half hours and you basically get a draw. Yep. Every now and then you might get a slight win. Most of these games, bloodshed happens because you know, you're in. Um, Aquapus units and the soft foot are reasonably weak if they're out in the open. If they're in the field, life is all good. And you get that nice feel of it. Yeah, I think I've um, on Tabletop Simulator, I was digging around for some um, of the sort of 3D figure models mm. and um, I found a mod. I don't know what game it's from, but it's just, it's got some really nice looking sort of 15th century Italian um, infantry as well that could be dropped onto bases that are different to the ones that are already there. Maybe they're a bit later. They might even be kind of, you know, early 16th century or something like that. But um, send, me, send me the details of the workshop. Yeah. Um, I can mod them um, and add them yeah. to my Renaissance mod and we can just add more different yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's got some nice little people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we just need a few tweaks on point values for things like Arquebus, and then I think it's pretty much done. Wouldn't you say, Simon? Yeah, it it definitely yeah. gives you a good game. Things yeah. happen, things are violent, and things maneuver around the way you, you'd want to do. Yeah, correct answer. Yeah, yeah looking good. Um, and we had a game of fantasy, didn't we? Yeah. So um, Andy and I've been mucking around with um, um, adding just a few uh, rules to it to let you use EDLG core rules with some fantasy stuff because Andy's got a lot of um, Tim, Tim Mill Warmaster armies sitting there saying, play with me, love me, and, you know, when you're in lockdown, what else are you going to do but tweak a few rules? So we had a game on um, TTS of um, my dwarves versus Andy's um, elves, and I got butchered. Wow. <laughs> oh, it, was a, it was a great game, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as I said to him, in what other game can you have um, can you have a core with um, berserkers and a mammoth elephant with artillery facing a dragon? It's just uh, you know that can't be bad, can it? Yeah, it's it was fun. It was silly. We got to drink some whiskey and you know talk about things other than you know what's happening and push towards them and on TTS. It was all perfectly good, personally. Yeah. Okay, that sounds like a win. And then. Um, Dave, kind of coming to you, finally, I know we actually um, played a game fairly recently, I think last week sometime, that was was linked to the Justinian Byzantine podcast that was quite entertaining, or, so, or, or entertaining until nearly the end, and then it just got not quite as good as it started off as being. It was being, a really, really great game, I really enjoyed it, particularly the end. Yeah, that's funny that, isn't it? You get different perspectives on the same game from two different people, really. I thought it was a marvellous start, but... Um, <laughs> did, one of, did one of your did one of your units get sent off, Tim, for for a professional foul? Yeah, no, there was no VAR, unfortunately, so we couldn't um, we couldn't appeal it as well. We tried to chip the keeper. <laughs> tried to, oh, yeah, yeah, we're a long long time ago since the world of Paneka, I think. The but, most uh, interesting I thought about our game was uh, I'd forgotten the rules. 
<laughs> it does go quite quickly, doesn't it? It's so long since, I mean, I've, I haven't even played on TTS, even though Andy has desperately been trying to persuade me to play it. I realised we were playing and I was going, yeah, my light horse is shooting and I've forgotten what the rules are. Yeah, you were trying to shoot cavalry at factor one, weren't you? I think that yeah, was it. I know. I was like, yeah, you know, luckily I remembered them, um, or, or most yeah. of them. Yeah, no, but we used um, lots more light horse, it would have been quite funny if at the end we'd gone bloody hell, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, nightmare. Yeah, but we used um, two different Byzantine armies, Justinian Byzantine, one with all the Goths and and the uh, Herald ally and stuff like that, and yours was the, the fiddly around, much more kind of drilled and organized one, and um. The terrain fell wonderfully for me. It kind of jammed you in a corner and I threw about 10 Gothic cavalry at you in a big line that you kind of struggled to re redeploy to deal with. And it would look like you were going down until until I just I couldn't I just couldn't quite kill off your um your left flank general. He he fought manfully, bravely for a quite yeah. for far too long. And um and then suddenly my army ran out of people and um and and I lost, but it was good to get get them back on table again and put some of those um, those armies together in TTS and, and start using it. So I think I definitely want to do a bit more of that going forwards as well. I think as a civil war, it was uh, it was much more interesting than you think because they yeah. were very different armies, and uh, uh, it, it, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good yeah. game, and it, you always well, do when you win. Yeah, well, I've I've set the um, I've set the table we started up with with our two armies up on TTS as a mod. So anyone can now go into it and they will have those two armies and the army list ready to go to um, to replay that game um, with those two things. But I'll, I don't know if there's any way of checking if anyone's actually done that. Maybe I should see if there's some stats. It might have been a wasted amount of work. But, but in terms of um, wasted amount of work, there is one bit of work which is never wasted, and that is... Andy's quiz. Andy, the festive break, le, le break du no, de Noël, as we say. I've just got French. to say, I miss that piece of music, mate. Yeah. Just, did you not? Um, did you not play it at Christmas lunch when you were? carving the turkey or something well I, I played it while i was cooking but yeah. yeah it's like it's it's not the same you should yeah. you should teach your daughter how to play the drums the drum bit of it <laughs> even even with the new sleaford mods album that came out this week i was slightly disappointed that there wasn't a track on it that featured the sample from um from questions <laughs> but um which which would have been quite something but but yes, Andy, we've we've had a break. Um, I don't think you left us hanging last time. We we I had, did. We yes, you wanted me to, yeah, so I did. did. There's actually so, answers from like, December. Oh, really? well, but, well, the questions last time was about the topic was going down, which you thought would meant something else rather than um, you know to do with the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. It's, it's a Stephen Mods reference. It's going down like BHS. Anyway, but the first question was: which unfortunate coincidence connects the cruiser HMS Edinburgh? <laughs> And the submarine USS Tang in World War Two. Being sunk. Tang was, I think, torpedoed by sunk by its own torpedo. I'm not yes, sure. that's Edinburgh right as well. Correct. They were both um, faintly damaged by their own torpedoes. Hey, hey, carelessness. Yep. 
About um, right, number two. What was the nationality of the warships which sank the French battleship Britannia by gunfire in 1940? What was the question? The English did it. What nationality yeah. were they in 1940? British. We sank them. It was in Moselle Kabir in in Algeria when when the when the Royal Navy tried to get the French army to either join them or surrender, and some of the French didn't like either option, so they fought back. And we killed loads of Frenchmen. And uh, yeah, and well, Britain's always been fairly ruthless when it comes to letting other people have their have have, have a navy which can outnumber the Royal Navy, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, they, they, they're not quite as ruthless as they were now, back in now, <laughs> back in the day. But, um, <laughs> we're outnumbered anyway, so what's the point? Yes, yeah. Indeed, what's the um, point? Right, the number three. What rare fate befell submarines CSS Hunley and HMS Thetis? Sunk more than once. Yes, that's it. They sank twice. Yeah, the Hunley was an American, was a, Actually, was a Confederate submarine. More than twice, wasn't it? Yeah, I said more than once. Yeah, that's right. Wow. And it was. Um, it, it was one of these things that actually guys inside it kind of rolled and cycled it to make the thing move along. And they had a, a, an explosive spar torpedo to blow up against enemy ships. But unfortunately, this blew up the submarine and they, they sank and drowned. Anyway, the Confederate Navy sort of fished it out, cleared the bodies out and gave a new crew. And more or less, the same thing happened twice. So and, before you go on, should explain, because not everybody will know what a spar torpedo is. And a spar torpedo is absolutely brilliant. It's basically an explosive on a stick. And you hold one end of the stick and you ram the other end of the stick against the enemy ship and it goes bang. It's, uh, it's, so it's not a torpedo you buy in a corner shop then? No. Okay. Um, uh, they normally use this as what we call fixed mines, you know, tied to the riverbanks and stuff, uh, river ba- beds rather. But, you know, on, on a sort of your own ship, it's a bit dangerous unless you've got a very long spar to ram ram, ram with, and the submarines didn't. Anyway, the, the HMS Thetis was sunk on its trials in the Mersey in 1939, um, and most of the, the crew were trapped and a lot of them drowned before they could get, get people out. It was then oh, was recommissioned... There was a film about that, wasn't there? A fairly short film, that. I'd imagine. Black and, black and white film. Could be. There was certainly certainly a big court case about it, in, which we learned about in law school. Um, but then it was recon, it was re, um, fixed up. They sent it out to the Mediterranean as HMS Thunderbolt, and it was sunk by the Italians in 1942 or thereabouts. You'd think it wouldn't pass its trials, would you? <laughs> if it sank during them. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yep. Well, they might have made a few modifications <laughs> to the later ones, but... Um, whether it was crew error or not, I don't. I don't know. This week's quiz is called "Changing Sides." Right. The first question is: In which civil war battle in the year sixteen hundred? Did 20% of one army change sides, leading to a decisive defeat for their former allies? Mm, okay. okay, that's the first question. The second one is, at the first major battle of the English Civil War, Edge Hill in 1642, the parliamentary left-wing cavalry was defeated when one troop of their cavalry changed sides during a royalist attack. What was the name of that troop's commander? Turncoats, yeah. Yeah, and number three, at the Battle of Leipzig in 1813, 
An entire conting German contingent of Napoleon's army changed sides and went over to the enemy. What nationality was that contingent? What, the entire German contingent you just said? Yeah. German. Uh, what nationality no, was that, it? That's okay. not the answer. <laughs> German is a generic term for basically oh, right. anywhere between France and Poland. It's, okay, I thought I thought you were giving us quite a big clue there, Andy. But um, yes, I thought we were back to Germany. teaching Tim about Napoleonics again. In a yeah. kind of backhanded way. Germans at that point, Tim. Right, they were Germans. Right, okay then. Thank yeah, you. No, well, look, there we... were Germans is not the answer that I'm looking for. Germans okay. Generic term. All right. Okay, so our, our turncoat, our turncoat quiz then. We'll um we'll return next week with the answers, and we will return next week with with probably no answers to anything really. I've listened, listened to some other podcasts, and I've just realised that one thing they all say at the end is, "Can you go on to Apple iTunes podcast and leave us five stars, please?" Um, but if anybody even knows how to do that, that would be hilariously funny. Oh, is that five star general? And give is us anybody actually going to leave us five stars? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, apparently, if you leave less than five, it's just not worth it. Um, or, or, or Do, does that mean we change the music to five stars for Andy's quiz in future? No, I don't think we ever change. No, we're not that, that desperate. Honestly, I've thought about doing a podcast in which I just play the music to Andy's quiz. I think it would probably get better ratings. That would be a five star podcast, wouldn't it? So, if you listen to this on iTunes. Um, or whatever it's called this week when Apple have rebranded it. Please give us five stars. If there's any other way of giving us stars on any other Don't podcast platform, that would be funny as well. Um, they can give us a thumbs up if you're watching this without video on YouTube. How about that? And um, not even sure what that would achieve, but it would just make us feel slightly better about wasting our um, wasting our Monday nights um, chit-chatting to each other. So on that note, um, it's time to say goodbye to the gang of seven. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you all Just had a really terrible idea. People could send us in pictures. We could do something like Gardner's Question Time. <laughs> you, you're <laughs> now getting disturbing. If I planted his hot life, what would grow? Well, I think that might be a museum miniatures, but it might be one of their early rangers in 1949. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you turn this into an antiques roadshow of miniatures. It's our regiment. <laughs> Need a yellow flag with an inverted B.
I'm a bit suspicious that Pete, when he had COVID, had some sort of like horrendous facial deformity, which is why I was, oh yeah, I can't go on the video because my computer and stuff, but he's oh, yeah, he had that beard before he got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> this means war.